This is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hey everyone, and welcome back to our show, uh, Making Finances Easier. Uh, if anything that we say on the show today triggers um, any questions you might have or uh, you'd like more information, 865-770-5031. We'd love to have a conversation with you, either by phone or in person, whatever is convenient for everybody. I'm joined here this morning with Garrett Crawford, the recovering Garrett Crawford from his little cold and various odds and ends that he's round passing, of applause, around, round of applause. passing around the family. Um, so Garrett, trivia question. What do you think is the is the sickest you've ever been? The sickest. The I've sickest ever. you've ever been. That's well, a good. Well, let me start while you're thinking, and I, I'll just uh, make it kind of a um, almost really kind of a, a, a silly example. But I was as incapacitated maybe as I've ever been. Um, but I remember my my dad used to love fishing, and he took his deep sea fishing one time. I was probably, uh, I'm gonna guess, uh, seventh grade, maybe middle school, somewhere in there. Uh, back in the day, we called it junior high school. Yeah. And then my brother was you know, four years older than I was, and he had taken us out. And, uh, you know, he was like, okay, you know, uh, you know, take this dream of me, we're gonna eat a big breakfast this morning, and we'll be, uh, you know, we'll be good to go. And I dropped that hook in the water one time, and I was hanging my head over the side the rest of the day. I mean, I was delirious. I, I was so out of it. Um, and then maybe the second time was was uh, when I had COVID last Easter. You know, I was pretty pretty wiped out, beat up. I was. Yeah, I had. Uh, you know, I guess I'm I'm pretty fortunate. I don't have any two terrible sick stories. But I was telling Eva, uh, we've just been going through. Uh, cold after cold after cold we're all sharing it with each other in our house and as soon as one person gets better the next person gets sick it's been uh, I think since February we, we've been laughing I think every single weekend since February first week somebody in our family has been sick uh, but uh, I was telling her I remember when I was a kid once I must have been somewhere between 6 and 10 I think I mean I was too young to really recall but I think I had the flu something and uh, I remember throwing up throwing up throwing up and i i mean it could have been one day it could have been three or four days but uh, my memory from that whole saga was just being completely depleted and uh, i couldn't keep any liquids down and i remember i woke up one morning in my parents room and i went to their sink and i tried to drink a little water and that water tasted like the nectar from the heavens uh, I, I remember thinking <laughs> i thought water didn't have a taste uh, but it just tasted so good yeah uh and it, you know it's funny how sickness does that to you but uh uh yeah this this one didn't compare to that but it's still unpleasant well it's maybe starting to die down a little bit but that stomach bug has been going through the greater knoxville area i don't know eva had it this past weekend your wife my daughter and uh, 
and she is one of the she's probably the most fit person i know and it just cleaned her clock yeah she slept for like 20 24 hours straight on on yeah, saturday I, could, I couldn't believe when i heard her sleep numbers i was just wow how is that possible um and then between that and rsv and then not not a whole lot of COVID, but there is some COVID out there uh there has been a lot you know definitely a lot going around um, yeah, I think I think I've checked the box for every respiratory illness going around except COVID. I don't know how I've avoided that, but I have gotten every single other one. I think this fall yeah. and spring, yeah, or winter. Well, we're recording here this this week of uh, of March thirteenth, and um, boy, there's been a lot in the news. And today uh, we're going to touch on banking. And then if there's some time, we're going to talk about banking. And then if there's any more time, we're going to talk about banking. <laughs> we ought to squeeze a segment in there about banking if you <laughs> wanted to. That's a great to. idea. So people had a guy at Fort Sanders this morning say, well, Paul, is my money safe at the bank? You know, what am I going to do? You know? And uh, so uh, neither one of us are bankers, but we are investment advisors. And so we, um, you know, we... And at least to some degree have our finger on the pulse of some of what's going on and so there's a lot that we don't know uh, there's a lot that everyone doesn't know about uh, some of the particulars but let's just um, first let's do just a couple basics uh, to, to kind of paint the picture first we know that on March 10th on Friday this Silicon Valley Bank and then that uh, uh, gosh the name's escaping me what was the other one um, Oh well, you listeners, you 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 know that it was just a, a, another uh, regional bank that went down over the weekend w- with Silicon Valley Bank. The name escapes me, and I don't have notes in front of me. So the point is that um, w- w- people ask when something like that happens, well, "Wow, is there a systemic problem in the banking industry again?" Because we saw a significant uh, systemic problem back in 07 and 08. So let's go back there just for a second. Um, now, in, in 07 and 08, what were you doing in 07, Garrett? I think I was a sophomore or junior in college. And I remember, I've, I've told this in, to other people, but uh, I didn't grow up in a family where we paid attention to the stock market. That wasn't something we did where I came from. But uh, I, I lived through all that and was completely oblivious as a college student that any of that was going on in the economy, uh, which is interesting. I've read a lot about it since, but in the moment, I was in college, uh, probably being an RA at UT, uh, doing other things. Yeah. Well, oh, Signature Bank. I remembered it. So SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank. Those were the two. Um, so, so back to 07, 08. Uh, in a nutshell, I think most of our listeners uh, can remember what was going on there is that there was this emphasis uh, really from uh, in no small part, I guess it began mostly in the in the Clinton administration. You know, affordable housing, get everybody in a house. You know, get everybody a loan, make sure everybody can have home ownership, et cetera. So they uh, they they loosen some of the rules. They they go out there and they're um, giving loans to people that probably um, uh, ideally wouldn't have qualified. And so they there were there were loans that weren't uh, actuarially sound, 
And then those loans were being repackaged and securitized so people would buy portions of those as, as an investment. And then they'd be divided again and repackaged and repackaged. And so it was a house of cards because the initial, the initial loan was not on solid footing. And then it was repackaged again and again and resold. Yeah, underlying assets for it didn't pass the sniff test. Exactly, exactly. And so that house of cards came falling down. And so, and it affected, you know, a lot of people. And the Fed, you know, uh, bailed out, you know, these big banks. And that was a, you know, a real stickler for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and so then that question began to come up that we talk about sometimes in our industry, and that is moral hazard, moral hazard. Um, And I don't know how many listeners know much about moral hazard, um, but in a nutshell, you might ask, well, Paul, what is moral hazard? Well, moral hazard is when, um, because I know there's some backstop there, I might take risks, I might take inordinate risks uh, because I know that the backstops can bail me out. In other words, rather than standing on my own two feet, um, if I know something's going to bail me out, then I'll take, you know, again, I'll take greater risks. So if, if banks, uh, so then that brings us up to present day. So SVB goes, goes south and so does Signature Bank. And uh, the Fed basically responds pretty radically and they say that the holders of the um, people that had the depositors in the bank are going to be made whole Mm -hmm. even past their $250,000 FDIC limit they're going to be made whole so when something like that goes down it's, it's important to remember again I'm generalizing but there are at least three uh, three segments that are that could potentially be hurt. One would be stockholders, people that own stock in a bank. The second would be bondholders, people that own debt from the bank. So it's not uncommon for a business or a bank to, if they want to raise money, to sell bonds and people buy those bonds. Um, and uh, and then the, the, the third kind of element would be depositors. So in this case, with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, the stockholders and the bondholders are going to get a raw deal. The depositors are going to be made whole. So people are, you know, understandably asking that question about moral hazard. So what does that mean? So if everybody knows that the Fed's going to bail out the you know the if a bank knows that the fed is going to make their their clients whole then it it could open that door for them to take more risk than they otherwise would yeah and i was going to say i think one of the uh one of the themes that i'm reading or one of the ramifications that could come out of this is if the uh if the fed is willing to go above and beyond that fdic insurance number that 250,000 which they uh, have uh well, yeah, if, if, if they have done that in this case, 
are they going to be willing in the future to go above that? And then are we basically saying that there's going to be unlimited FDIC insurance uh, for anybody <laughs> that deposits at the bank? Obviously, that's not a law right now. It's not uh, written in the rule books. But the question is, if the, if, if the government, the Fed, is going to step in any time a bank goes under, uh, what are we setting ourselves up for a trajectory there? And that, uh, and however it flows out, I think there's this uh, uh, notion or a feeling that if you are a depositor, maybe two hundred and fifty thousand isn't enough anymore. And uh, I think I even read that it used to be a hundred thousand right. uh, exactly. years ago, and they, yes. they keep up in that limit. Yes. And so I, I think that'll be an interesting ramification of all this. And how soon and how quick will they raise that number to be a higher number than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Right. So. Um, the you know the president came out i guess it was on monday and said hey everything's safe everything's good no problems um and he as is his want he he blamed the previous administration and um and again on our show you know garrett one of the things i, I try to to do is I, I, I'm, I try not to take sides politically Rather than being a, a far right or a far left, I try to take the position of an umpire. You know, this is true. This is true. This is not true. You know, eh, that's not true. And so, if 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 an administ- uh, if somebody that's a Republican says something that I know is 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 not quite true, um, I want to call it out. Same thing with the Democrat. If they say something, I want to try to call it out. So I'm gonna so. Biden said something that wasn't true, and again, I'm not picking on Democrats. I'm just saying it just wasn't true. And he was saying that, oh well, it was really it was it was we can blame the previous administration on what they changed. Well, even even Barney Frank, who who helped author the Dodd Frank bill, said no that it it's not because of of anything Trump did. That's not the problem here. Um, you know, SVB really did have a. A, kind of a, a, a niche, a little uh, particular subset of startups, technical startups, and and so everybody really came to get their money all at once. And I guess in one sense, you could say that any bank, any bank, if every single depositor came and uh, wanted their money right then. No bank could could probably hold up, but um, but at the same time, several things have happened here, and and one of them in SBB's case is n- not only did they have you know kind of a, a certain type of of loan, and they had they had tons of money coming in, and then they. Uh, you know, they loaned some of that money out, and they also, with some of their cash, they bought a lot of treasuries that um, they, they bought a lot of government bonds. And then, as interest rates rose, they were caught holding bonds that that had didn't have as much value. So then, when they had to go and sell for liquidity, they had to take a loss on all those. And so, they simply had uh, too many liabilities for their amount of assets. 
Yeah, and hey, Paul, I'm going to jump in here, uh, maybe zoom back a little bit. I know we're talking about banking, uh, but I'm I'm sitting there thinking about the person who is seeing the headlines that, you know, their job isn't in uh, investment management, it's not in financial planning. They do something totally different. And, uh, you know, they're becoming familiar with what is FDIC insurance and how much am I protected? Do I have too much in my bank? And uh, I just wanted to zoom out real quick and uh, you know anytime that you're you're talking about your personal finances and you're saving for the future or you're making money now uh, I remember back in my CFP studying there was a component on financial risk and so when we're talking about banks and you're talking about your savings account at the bank, uh, you're taking something called credit risk. Uh, It's the bank's ability to take in your deposits, what they end up doing is they go out and they'll they'll maybe finance somebody's loan or mortgage with that money. They'll get interest off that and they'll pay you back uh, interest off the, the loan that you made them. And they're, they're just in this business of loaning. And uh, when when things go south, uh, you're, you're taking on credit risk anytime that you're working with a bank. And so credit risk isn't the only type of risk. Uh, it's it's one of four main ones. So another one that, that Paul and I work in all the time is called market risk. So uh, you're not making a loan when you invest money at TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, or Fidelity. What you're doing is you're giving that institution money. Uh, let's just call it, uh, you're giving them $200,000 to invest in an equity portfolio. You're not, you're not uh, handing credit, giving credit to TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab. What they're doing is they're taking your money and they're turning that into a security held at a, like a depository trust in your name. There is no, there's not credit risk, but in that sense, you're taking market risk. So and let, let me give one other little uh, thought about market risk. So basically, what you're saying about market risk that people need to understand is that when I go out and I buy. Um, a stock or mutual fund, basically what I'm doing is I'm buying a little piece of a company. I own a little piece of uh, Kimberly Clark or or uh, Verizon or whatever. I own a little piece of that company. And so as that company's uh, uh, stock price goes up, I make money. If it goes down, I lose money. And so that's the market risk that we're talking about. Correct. Um, and so you're going to be at the whims of the market right. if you're taking market risk. And I say for most people saving for retirement, a, a lot of their financial risk is going to be market risk, uh, not as much credit risk, uh, because a lot of a lot of people take on that credit risk at their local bank. There's other places you, you can take credit risk in the market, and but that would just no longer be market risk. When we're talking about these banks, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, people were taking uh, uh, credit risk in their bank's ability to fully back their deposits. But what we're finding out here is that the credit risk, the rules changed here at the last second where the Fed is jumping in and saying, eh, if you were a depositor, we're going to make you whole. But if you were somebody taking market risk with Silicon Valley Bank as a shareholder, the Fed's not coming to rescue on that one. No, you you took a risk and you lost. And, uh, and just to, you know, uh, just coincidentally, really, it didn't have anything to do with SVB. You know, we've done a lot of structured notes um, 
here over the last several years, and basically a structured note is uh, it's not an FDIC insured um, uh, item. It's it's a it's basically a product through a bank where they uh, say between you know we, they're either 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Our longest one is 36 months, and the bank will basically say. Uh, like Bank of America or Morgan Stanley, they'll say, okay, uh, during these 18 months, we're going to protect you on the downside of a certain percentage, and we're going to say that you can have an upside. We're going to cap your upside percentage, and um, uh, it's an opportunity to have for the bank to have some cash to work with and for for them to offer some uh, alternatives. Well, we had done um, some work with Credit Suisse. When Credit Suisse uh, started stubbing their toe on several things, uh, and it, the the straw that broke the camel's back was last week they were supposed to release their quarterly report, and they had to postpone it because they had gotten an 11th-hour call from the SEC asking some questions. And then today in the news, uh, this is being recorded on March the 15th, Credit Suisse took another beating. Well, on Friday the 10th, we just unilaterally, because of risk-reward, we decided to just liquidate all the Credit Suisse. Um, it had nothing to do with SVB, but um, it had to do with things that they were doing that made us feel uncomfortable. Um, and so the risk-reward, even though some clients uh, lost a little bit um, in, the, in those Credit Suisse um, uh, liquidation, um, they could have lost it all if, if we'd have held on and they continued to go south. I think Paul and I are both big believers in diversification. And so anytime somebody, some of these horror stories you're going to read about Silicon Valley Bank uh, or could have been horror stories where people that put all their net worth, they were tech founders, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and they put all their money with one institution. They took on too much risk mm-hmm. in, in that one company, mm-hmm. uh, inadvisably so. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Paul and I would be big fans of diversification. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the ways we can help Paul is uh, uh, helping... I I think this week has helped people uh, with a little light bulb moment. Uh, maybe I'm taking too much risk in yeah. any one area, and uh, that, that's where I think we can shed some light. That uh, uh, see where those risks are. Are they appropriate for your season of life that you're in? And uh, we we love to do that. Eight six five seven seven zero five zero three one. If you'd like us to, you know, do a little uh, kind of research for you, do some a little second opinion. Uh, if you're wondering, hey, is my money safe in this bank or whatever, you know, again, feel free, 865-770-5031, and we look forward to talking with you. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online 
at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.